How good's a Friday? So Ben, this is Bunty of Fourth, I'm waiting for Warriors. I hope you're doing well, brother. There is Sean Stevenson, the step breaking Stevenson. Out the back, Bergen, out wide. Good sir. North Dutch score out wide, fantastic try. Oh yes, boy. Yeah, g'day, silly talk sports, Rita here. Hey guys, Surly here, coming to you live on an absolute fucking screamer of a Friday, episode 26, and boy, have the weather gods turned it on well and truly, a real barnstormer of a day, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here, chewing your ears off for it. Huge fizz from me, because tonight, the STS Steamers, our social mixed touch team, is having their pre-season cordy, which is fucking grouse. Not a game played yet, but hey, the lads and lasses are keen to rip in and get on the steam, so she's going to be a heck of a picnic, and no doubt you'll see some footage of that later on in the story. Should be an absolute beauty. Before we get into today's episode, gotta make a shout-out as well to one of the Coke greats, Tumanua Taufai who's representing Japan at the Dubai Sevens this weekend. The bloke, he flew from our shores a couple years back. He's been grinding away over there in Hokkaido, and now he's finally got the nod that he can represent the nation. So huge shift from you two, and go well this weekend, mate. No doubt you'll be bringing out that famous razzle-dazzle that you're so well known for. Right, on today's episode, we're going to talk some international footy, of course, the All Blacks. The season's over, a tough L, but we'll get into that more a bit later. Then we're going to talk some Bunnings Far Cup, that came to a close as well. And then finally, it's Thanksgiving, so I thought, why not talk some NFL? She's fuck it Friday, so we're going to talk some pigskin tossing. Before we get into your usual segments, the old Magic Multi, and everyone's favourite, your Q&A. Let's rip in. Right, Sunday morning, 9am, the stage was set, the final test of the year, and boy was I fizzing for this one. The All Blacks taking on our old foes, the Dirty Frogs, the French, and shit, your new pregame, this one was going to be an absolute humdinger, and boy, did she deliver on all accounts, really did tick all the boxes, the French they came to play early doors, and they really did set the tone from the opening whistle. That French Ford pack, physical as fuck, really took it to us hammer and tongs, and after just three minutes, the boys in blue dotted down, and she was all go for young and old. And look, the boys came back into it. A couple of penalties to old Bitcoin Barrett. He was striking them nicely, which was good to see. But shit, the French were just well and truly too strong in the opening 40. Into Mac, what a player he is. He dotted down for a meaty and also set up a couple. And his combination with Dupont was on fire all day. What a 9 and 10 duo they are. Arguably the best in the world. And this French forward pack, they just took it to us. Physicality for the whole opening 40. The All Blacks had no answers. And the boys went into oranges down 24 points to six and no doubt she was panic stations all across the nation the French were well and truly the better side and it did look like it could have been a bit of a dicking but of course 
as All Black fans, we're always expecting a famous comeback. And you never count out the boys in black. And for that first 10 minutes in the second half, it looked like we were going to steal a famous victory in Paris. Straight after the break, seven minutes in, Geordie Barrett, he dotted down. Unfortunately, couldn't convert his own meaty. But then, three minutes later, Rico Iwani absolutely skinned them. Showed that express pace that has him running faster than Josh Adokar. He's got to be the fastest man in the universe, old Rico. And he dotted down for a cheeky meaty, which brought the score back to 24 points to 18. The boys were within six points, in with a sniff. And any time the All Blacks are in that position, confidence is sky high. But it just wasn't to be. The French, too good. We scored another meaty. Adi Savia, he took us to 27-25, then unfortunately got shown a yellow, which was probably deserved to be fair, and then from there, it was all one-way traffic to close it out. The French, they scored off an intercept, which really was a heartbreaker. Old David Harvilly trying to move the nut a bit too quickly, the French rushing up on D, and they plucked one like a thief in the night, and that was all she wrote for the ABs boys. And then unfortunately, right on full time, and this was a real multi-killer, I actually had Wales to win. Thankfully, they saved me in the last minute. And then I had France, 1-12, to and unfortunately, I used up all my luck in the Welsh game. The betting gods said, you've had enough of a rub of the green today, Surly. 81st minute, the French get a penalty, which was an interesting one, to be fair. I thought Artie had actually stolen the ball. Could have gone either way. The ref fucked me, I'll claim it, absolutely. And old mate, the French kicker, boy, does he strike them well. He nudged one over from right in front, and that was all she wrote. They end up winning by 15, and down the drain goes 150 New Zealand dollars. So low fizz there, but what a shift from the boys in blue. Hard to be mad. The better team well and truly won this fixture. And look for the All Blacks. There's slightly worrying signs, to be fair. We really do struggle with that rush D, and a lot of teams, especially over there in the north, are really starting to take it to us in that department. Also, our forward pack, you just think there's a little bit of physicality lacking there at the moment, but hey, no doubt the boys in black will sort it out. Overall, though, a pretty good game, to be fair. A slow start. We got a bit ambushed. We found ourselves back in the mixer, at the 60 minute mark, but then in the end, the home side just too strong. So that rounds out an interesting All Black season to be fair, 11 from 14, so only three losses, but shit if you looked in the media, you would think that it was an absolute nightmare of a season. To be fair, it's the first time in 12 years that the All Blacks have lost three games, which just goes to show how fucking good this side is. Any other sporting team in New Zealand, if they only lost three games in a season, it would be an absolute celebration. And what I would do for the Warriors to be 11-14 and 14 next season, I would give my left nut and more, it's fair to say. So well done to the All Blacks. Another pretty strong season. There were some interesting points in there. I think those losses to South Africa, Ireland and France did really highlight our weaknesses. And perhaps the biggest disappointment for me was that we didn't seem to adapt our game plan after a loss. I think that Ireland game and that French game, our attacking plan looked very similar. We kicked away a lot of pill and we didn't quite have that razzle-dazzle that is often associated with New Zealand footy. So interesting times for the boys. 
No doubt Ian Foster, I think he'll keep his job. The calls have been coming thick and fast for old Razor Ray to step in. And while I would agree with that, would love to see the bloke at the helm. I think he would unlock this team. He seems to be able to put so much belief into players and allow them to express themselves and play an entertaining brand of footy, which I don't think Ian Foster is capable of. But I also don't think New Zealand rugby are going to mix it up this close to a Rugby World Cup. 2023 is fast approaching. And if we know one thing about New Zealand rugby, they like to keep things pretty simple pre the World Cup. So interesting times. Already looking forward to next season. I think there's going to be a few changes in the piece. Old RTS, the Blues have already hinted that he's going to be playing at 12 and that the All Blacks approved of that position. So that's something to keep an eye on. He really would give us some unreal flair in the 12 jersey and maybe give us that punch that we are lacking. Then, of course, you got the likes of Goodhue coming back from injury. Old Leonard Brown, he missed a fair few games. And I really do think that All Blacks midfield at the moment just lacking a little bit of punch. So I'm excited to see those three come back in the piece. But overall, look, you've got to give it a pass mark, of course. We're so tough on the All Blacks, as I mentioned. Should be a B plus. We locked up the Bledisloe low again against a much improved Australia side. We won the rugby championship with only a loss to South Africa. And overall, the Northern Tour, pretty interesting stuff. But the boys have been away from home for 15 weeks, so you can't fucking blame them if they were a little bit over it, lacking a little bit of fizz, and just got outpassioned in those last two clashes. So a B-plus from me, plenty to look forward to, plenty of excitement. MVP-wise, I put it up a post the other day, who was your MVP? And look, for me, I think Adi Savia, what a player and what a season. You come to expect it from this bloke. Every time he laces up the boots and throws on the black jersey, he gives it his absolute all. Leg drive of doom, PCM's galore. You gotta fucking love it. And for me, I think he's our best player and he should also be our captain. I loved what he was doing with the C and the armband by his name. So hopefully they make that adjustment again. But MVP, gotta go with Artie. Second, Rico, thought he was outstanding this year, whether in the 13 or on the wing. He's electric and gives us that flair and X factor that we need in the back line. Third up, probably Will the Thrill Jordan. What a debut season for him. Scoring meaties galore and playing some great footy. And then in fourth, probably old Bitcoin Barrett Geordie. He had an interesting game, that last game against the French, but overall, a great season from him. Well and truly wrapped up that 15 jersey. We went into this all-black test year not knowing who would be at the back, but Geordie has well and truly put his name on that. So that would be my top four for me. My player to keep an eye on for next season, old Tauke Aho, the hooker, Boy, did he make an impact when he came on on the weekend. An absolute bowling ball of a bloke. He is a thick footy player. And I'm talking body type, not mental ability. And shit, can he carry the nut? And boy, can he hit. Looks like a real enforcer off the Rimu for us. So bloody good to see and promising signs for the future. So bring on 2022. Excited to see what the All Blacks dish up for us. And up the mighty fucking ABs, we are still the best footy side in the world. The gap's closing, but we're still number one in my eyes, without a fucking doubt. 
Right on to the old Bunnings Far Cup now and after 12 long hard rounds, boy has this competition faced some adversity but we finally got through to finals footy and look to be honest I always fizz the Bunnings Cup but this year just felt different. Of course COVID ran an absolute muck well and truly through a spanner in the works and it was disappointing stuff when old Auckland counties Monaco and of course my team the Mighty Harbour Heat had to dip out of the comp, which did lower the fizz levels for me, unfortunately. It's always a bit more special when your team is in the mixer, but shit, there was still some good footy played, and some teams really did put in an impressive shift. Taranaki, they went through to the championship final undefeated, 8 from 8, and boy did they deserve to come away with the silverware in this one. They took on an Otago side that were fast finishing and you underestimate them at your own peril. They were a strong team this season and they battled hard every single game. And this game was no different to be fair. The Mulu men, they went in heavy favourites and deservedly so. They were playing some great footy all year long. They got the scoreboard ticking early doors. Four minutes in a cheeky meaty and she looked like she could be one-way traffic but not to be outdone the boys from the dirty south they bounced back almost two minutes later and from there on in it was on for young and old 22 to 12 at Taranaki at Oranges some great footy being played and then post vitamin C the boys from the mighty Naki Taranaki hardcore they were just too strong and came away with the win fairly comfortably in the end 32 points to 19. Plenty of standouts for the boys in yellow and black. Old Peter Gassua the old dog, he can still play footy. He was great in the eight jersey. And then the young ginge flanker, Tom Florence, how he didn't pick up a super rugby contract is arguably one of the biggest controversies from this season. Then in the back line, the younger Naholo, boy, can he set the game alight. And old Tay Walden, he's still got it. Plus, the old battler, Jason Potros, played against them in Old Harbour Bees a couple times. Great to see him out there ripping in a tearing. Boy, can he play footy. He's really found some form late in his career. And old Stephen Please add Fedder. He was the highest point scorer across the Bunnings Far Cup this season. And boy, did he have a strong year. Hopefully he continues that for the Mighty Blues in Super Rugby. But that was great to see. So the Naki deserved winners of the old championship. Unfortunately for them, no promotion. So they've been absolutely robbed. A famous season. But in the end, it means fuck all. So unlucky to the Taranaki boys. Then in the Premiership final, and shit, going into this one, I really couldn't pick it. Waikato taking on Tasman. I thought the Tassie boys, with all their finals footy experience, they might just be too strong, but boy was I wrong. The Mulu men playing at home in Hamilton for the first time in a while. Of course, COVID meant they had to be based in Cambridge, but once they got a sniff of the mighty Waikato River, you'd have to think that that really did give them some extra mana, and in the end, they were too good. A 72nd minute penalty to their old skipper Fletcher Smith saw them raise the bat, get the win, and no doubt they were sinking piss out of that trophy 
for many, many days to come. It would be a heck of a mad Monday in Old Hamilton. You can bet your bottom dollar. But a beauty of a game and a game fitting of the final, to be fair. Plenty of impressive performances across the park from both sides. Old Louis Chapman, the young Tasman 9, he looks like one to keep an eye on for the future. He's got a real spark and he was probably Tasman's best, to be fair. Old Mitch Hunt, he can run a cutter and his goal kicking was on point as per usual. And then Big Tim on the wing, he really did stand out. Had him pre-season as my player to watch for the old Bunnings Far Cup. And boy, is he a handful. Loves a bump, don't we all? But a huge shift from him. And then for Waikato, that midfield pairing, old Sullivan, he's an impressive footy player. Two tries, bloody pivotal for Waikato to ensure they got the win. And he had some barnstorming runs in the midfield, which really did get the home side a lot of momentum. Old D'Angelo Leilua, he was a bit of a mid-season recruit when old Fletcher went down. Fair to say, he actually ran the cutter pretty well in the 10 jersey as well. Definitely put his hand up for some super rugby honours, and no doubt he'll be in the mixer pre-season with the Chiefs. And then old Mitch Jacobson, the skipper, boy is he a workhorse, really did toil away in that four-pack to ensure the platform was set up front. And we all know that's where a game of footy is won. What a fucking cliche. But overall, a huge shift for the boys from the Waikato. Deserved winners too. They finished the season in second. And once Hawks Bay dipped out, I really was back in the Mulu men. So great to see them get the dub. And well done to the Waikato boys. No doubt you absolutely sent it. And fingers crossed, you're still going. Nothing better than winner's piss. And nothing better than a victory bender. So they're up the mighty far cup for 2021. No doubt in my mind, Harbour would have won the comp if they were in the mixer. But it wasn't to be. Auntie Cindy robbed the boys from Albany of a famous win. But they'll be back next year. You better fucking believe it. And up the far cup, grassroots provincial footy at its finest. Right, time for a bit of NFL chat, and to be fair, I've been a bit vacant on this recently. Huge NFL fan, watch most games, love a bit of red zone action on your Monday morning as well. Really am a bit of an NFL purist, and she's been a fucking interesting season, to say the least. Probably the most even competition that we've had in years. Normally around this stage, at that 10 to 11 game mark, there's a clear favourite and a bit of a front runner to win the competition. But hand on heart, I could not tell you who is going to win the comp this year. Some great teams in the mix. In the old AFC, top of the table, you've got the Titans sitting there 8-3, and three, but they're coming in fresh off a famous loss to the bottom place Houston Texans. So shit, if that doesn't sum up this year, then I do not know what does. Also strong in the AFC, you've got Lamar Jackson's Ravens, the Patriots, old Mac Jones at the helm. They're an impressive side, a great all-round team, and not one you want to be playing in finals footy with old Bill Belichick at the helm. Then KC, they're on a four-game winning streak, old Kansas City. Had a rough start. A lot of people were writing them off after that, but it looks like Mahomes and the boys have now got things firing on all cylinders, and they are well and truly peaking. 
come the business end. Then that five to seven, the wildcard playing spots, does she get interesting? The Bengals, the Chargers, and sitting in seventh, a lot of people's preseason favourites, the old Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. He's had an interesting season. He's currently still favourite to win the MVP, and I really can't wrap my head around that because, boy, has he been up and down. A real roller coaster. But like the great Ronan Keating said, life is a roller coaster. Just got to ride it all night long, and it appears that the betters are riding that one into the grave. And no doubt they'll be looking for a big win against the Saints today in Thanksgiving footy. Then in your NFC, she's interesting over there as well. The Cardinals currently sitting 9-2, and two, and they've managed to scrape two wins from three without their star quarterback, Kyler Murray. So great signs for them, and they have to be in your finals footy mixer, that's for sure. Then, probably the team, two teams that I've got to take it out, the Green Bay Packers sitting in second at eight and three, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in third at seven and three. Brady and Rodgers both playing some great footy. Rodgers did have a bit of a COVID scare told the league he was vaccinated and he wasn't. But if you listen to his side of the story, there's a bit more to go into it. And then old Tom Brady just playing some amazing footy at age 40. Fuck, this guy just does not age. And he would have to be my MVP favourite at the moment. And if he leads them all the way to the promised land, what a season from the old dog that would be. Also in the mix for the NSC, you got the Cowboys, but man, they are unpredictable. Old Dak, he's starting to lose his wide receivers due to injury, so that's troubling times there in Dallas. Then you got the Rams, the Vikings, and the Saints. The Vikings and the Saints, you never quite know who's going to show up. And the Rams, what a team on paper. They've just added Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. to unreal footballers mid-season so handy for them but shit they're on a two-game losing streak since they have added them so it just goes to show a great team on paper doesn't always deliver results but it's bloody interesting stuff in the NFL really starting to heat up as we head towards the playoffs round 12 kicks off today of 18 rounds so six more games in the mixer for these teams Thanksgiving footy, of course she's Thanksgiving over there in America today, huge tradition to rip into a turkey and some sweet potato and sink your teeth into some football, so bums on seat stuff in the NFL, she's bloody interesting times, could be anyone's competition, I think KC are going to come back with a hiss and a roar, and then also keep your eye on the teams like the Cardinals, Packers and Buccaneers, because I think they will well and truly be in the mixer as well. So up the mighty NFL and enjoy your Thanksgiving footy today. She should be a fucking doozy. Three barnstormers of games. Time for the old magic multi. And to be fair, had some really tough luck lately. You might have seen on the old story. Had a three-leg NBA multi get absolutely fucked by the worst team in the league, the Houston Rockets. They went into the game... 1-15, and, and just my luck, I bet on the Bulls to beat them, as of course you'd fucking assume they would. Betting gods, they had other plans. Houston get their second win of the season, and down the drain that goes. But also had a bit of luck, to be fair. The kitty's looking good, so I'm fizz for this week's Magic Multi. 
For tomorrow's NBA games on your Super Saturday, I've gone with the Bulls. I'm going to back them in again, even though they did me over. Fool me once, shame on me. Fill me twice, you can get fucked. That's my saying. But I'm backing them to beat the Magic as they bloody well should. Then Hornets, Timberwolves. Timberwolves on a real hot streak at the moment. So I'm going to go the Hornets with a plus 10 line. Hopefully that's safe and the boys from Charlotte, Lamello Ballbags and the crew can keep things nice and close. Then... In your other games, I'm backing in the Celtics to beat the Spurs, which does make me nervous, but hey, up the mighty ticks. And then the Bucks to beat the Nuggets. The Bucks looking bloody good again now that they've got their proper starting roster back out there. So hopefully that all comes into play for me all head-to-head there. And then quickly, before I move on to the rest of the Magic Multi, Monday, Arvo, bums on seat stuff in the NBA. Pistons, Lakers, round two. Hopefully there's another dust up. That is something to keep your eyes on. Should be bloody interesting stuff. Of course, old Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James going at it the other day made for bloody interesting watching. But moving back to the old magic multi, hopefully you're still with me after that little fucking sidetrack. In the NFL, Monday's games, I've gotten the Jacksonville Jaguars with a plus eight line over the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons coming in favourite. Don't mind Jacksonville in this. Atlanta, they're all over the show. Then I've gone the Chargers head-to-head over the Denver Broncos. In a bit of an upset, I've gone the Packers to beat the Rams. I really do like Green Bay and Rams sliding a little, although they'll be desperate for a win. So perhaps leave that one out there if you're not chasing juicy odds. But that's $2 head-to-head. So I had to chuck her in the mixer. Then I've gone to round her out the Niners to beat the Vikings head to head also. Bloody good stuff. Then of course, not a magic multi without some ponies. And due to a lack of footy, I've chucked two horses in just to spice things up and get the legs up and about. Caulfield, race four. I've gone with Curran to place. He's paying $5 for a win if you've really got your nuts about you. $2 for a place. That's a bloody good bet for me. Gone on it purely as an omen bet because old Josh Curran, he's been ripping and tearing for the Warriors this season. And he is deep into his preseason, absolutely running amok. So I'm hoping this horse is as fit as he is at the moment. She's firing on all cylinders and can come away with a top three finish at the least. And then finally, Rose Hill, race six. I've gone with Borna King. Tommy Berry's on board. She's a $4.20 favorite. So juicy odds there. Could be anyone's race by the looks of it. I've just gone on it for a place, $1.85. Why not? Again, if you're feeling ballsy, chuck her in there for the win. $10 on that multi, plenty of legs, but I really do like the look of it. $527.59. That'll get the kitty nice and full, ready to rip and tear next Friday night once the bars open back up. Look out, Auckland. We're going to be coming in with a full head of steam. Up the magic multi. Right, time for everyone's favourite segment, the old Q&A. As per usual, floodgates have opened, the DMs have been popping, so really appreciate your questions again. The first one, she comes through from the great Devonte, part of the 138 crew. Of course, the old Have a Lick podcast, he's dropping that soon. If you're not on their punters page, check it out. But this is the man behind that great work, and his question is... 
which NRL team has had the best off-season player pickups? Hashtag Bronx Nation. And look, you make it pretty clear that you're a Broncos fan there, mate. And to be fair, when you first asked this, I thought definitely not the Broncos. But looking across their names, I've actually done pretty well. Of course, the two big signings in Kirk Capewell and Adam Reynolds really do jump off the page, but they've actually made some nice low-key additions outside of that as well. Ryan James, he signed from the Canberra Raiders, and he's a bloody good footballer. Had some rough time with injuries, but he can still mix it with the best of them in the middle. Then Jordan Pereira, who I'm a fan of, the old St. George Dragons winger, he's definitely more than handy, so he'll be some good depth there. And then young Billy Walters, he's signed from the Tigers as well. He can play some footy, so to be fair to you mate the Broncos have done pretty well and I could definitely see them in that 8 to 10 mark probably missing out on the top 8 because the mighty Warriors are going to pump them but hey good on you for backing the boys in terms of the teams that have made the best signings also of course one-eyed Warriors fan Sean Johnson Aaron Penner they're right up there in the mixer in terms of great signings but I think overall the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs the GOAT Phil Gus Gould Boy, has he done some work for this team. Of course, they finished last last year, but with this roster on paper, I think they're going to be pretty competitive. Listen to some of the names they've added. Josh Adokar, John Asiata, Matty Burden, shit, he was good for Penrith, Matt Dufty, Brent Naden, Tavita Pungai Jr., and Paul Vaughan. Bloody good signings there. Then you add into that for 2023, the likes of Viliami Kikau and Reed Mahoney, if you believe the press. So shit, the dogs well and truly forming for the next couple years, and I think they will be a force to be reckoned with. So great question there, mate. Up the mighty Warriors, we're going to prompt the Broncos, but love your work nonetheless, and hopefully shit a bit of a surly times have a lick combo in the near future. Go well, lad. Right, next up comes from a long-time question asker, one of the greats, half of the Kakariki duo, Jake Rutherford. He says, Malo Surly, Malo Kaks. Great news for the Pacific Rugby Nations yesterday with the changing of the eligibility rules. What is your 23 for Tonga and Samoa? And look, a great question there, Kaks. And of course, didn't touch on it earlier. Pretty poor of me, but some huge news in the international rugby world, especially for those Pacific Island nations. World rugby has finally changed the eligibility rules. It should have been done a long time ago, but hey, better late than never, which allows players that have represented other nations to represent those tier two nations after they've had a three-year stand-down period. So this is huge for the Pacific Island countries, particularly blokes that have played a few games for the All Blacks and then cannot represent their place of birth. So great to see. And boy, is this going to make them a lot more competitive, especially in the next World Cup. In terms of the 23s, shit, I'm probably not going to run through them all, to be fair, but just a few names in the mix for those island countries here that are going to be massive additions. For Samoa, you could see the likes of Lima Sapawanga, Stephen Luatua, Charlie Farmawina, Christian Liliafano, Julian Savia, Jeff Tuumanga Allen, Jordan Tafua, and look, hopefully, what about a midfield duo of Sonny Bill 
out of retirement. He said he wants to play for Samoa, so that would be huge fizz. And Ma'o Nonu, also a proud Samoan. Imagine that duo outside of Sapawanga with Lelia Fano at the back. That would be huge fizz. And boy, would that take the Samoans to another level. Then for Tonga... Charles Piatau, arguably the one that got away for New Zealand rugby. He's had a very strong voice in all this and said he would love to represent his Tongan heritage. He'll be huge for them. Then Viafa Fita, Nani Lao Mape, boy would he be a wrecking ball in that red jersey. Izzy Falau, back in the mixer. Augustine Pulu, George Moala, Sukopi Kefu and Adam Coleman, who's a bit of an under cover tong in there but I rate that very highly so some massive additions there and great to see guys like Pulu and George Moala who only had a few caps for the All Blacks I think Pulu actually played about 28 minutes in the black jersey he said it was an honour but boy I'm sure he'd be fizzed to represent Tonga then for the Fijians you can't rule them out as well Nathan Hughes Seta Tamanivalu that's huge and Henry Spate, just a couple in the mixer there. No doubt there's plenty more. But boy, this will have a huge effect. And I can't wait to see these guys play for their nations of heritage. Another one to keep an eye out on the future as well. A bloke who's been very vocal about his passion to play for Samoa, Adi Savia. Man, obviously an extremely proud Samoan. And I've no doubt he would love to wear that jersey at some stage in his career. That would be massive fizz. And what an impact he would have on the game in Samoa. So all about these eligibility rules. It's about bloody time they made it happen. And that is exciting stuff, especially for our Pacific brothers. So cheers for the question, cucks, and ripping tonight. No doubt you'll be on the Waitakere daiquiris, so go well. Right, the next question, she comes through from old Brendan Wheeler, and he says, three quarter pants, are they long shorts or short longs? And look, that is a great question, as per usual, wheels. Asking the tough ones, he really is the voice of the nation saying what people are thinking. And look, in regards to the old three-quarter pants, never really been a fan, to be fair, so I can't speak from personal experience into what category they would fall into. But for me, I think it's all in the name, three-quarter pants, which would lead me to the short-longs side of the argument. I've never heard them be called three-quarter shorts. If you call them that, you're probably a real loser. and You're going to want to change it to three-quarter pants. So I'm going to have to go short longs, but probably a pretty dusty piece of equipment to be rocking on the day-to-day. Something I wouldn't recommend. But hey, if it makes you feel good, fucking do it. And good on you. You're a braver New Zealander than me. So cheers for your question, Wheels. Hard hitting as always. And hope you're well, horse. Hopefully see you soon in Danny Doolins for a couple Darren Froffiers. Right, your next question comes through from one of the greats. Run It Straight podcast. Great to hear from you. And they say, what former All Black would you most enjoy watching for an island nation? And look, that's a great question. I sort of touched on a few names before. I think Charles Piertel is going to be a great watch playing for Tonga. He's been very outspoken about how he would love to do it. Of course, he set sail from our shores at a young age. He's made a handsome living for himself over in Europe. I think he's the highest paid player in world rugby still. Absolutely tearing shit up over there. Heck of a player, heck of a footballer. Some great feet. 
and what he would bring to that Tongan backline and the team in general would have a massive impact. Haven't actually watched him play a whole lot ever since he's been over there, so I'd love to see him in the red of Mate Matonga. A couple other names, I think if Nonu and Sonny Bill were to team up for Samoa, boy would that be huge fizz. What a midfield. Bash, crash, razzle dazzle, and just the media hype would be huge for the game in Samoa, and I'd love to see that once great all-black midfield duo lace up for the boys in blue. And then current player, got to chuck him in the mixer again, Adi Savia. Just the way he speaks and the pride in his heritage would be great to see him out there at some stage for the mighty Samoans as well. So great question there, and cheers for firing that one through. And then your fifth and final comes through from the great Tim Webster Vendiri and he says thoughts on the new eligibility rule and how this is going to change world rugby especially with the young guns coming through and seeing their idols playing for their home country do you think this would change their minds and look great question there Tim it's going to be huge for world rugby you're really going to see these island nations Samoa Tonga and Fiji in particular become those powerful forces in world rugby that we've known they could be for so long but they've always just lacked in a couple crucial positions and it's always been a massive point of criticism especially from overseas when the All Blacks pick players from these emerging island nations you know you always hear the chat oh they're full of island boys how many Kiwis are actually in the All Blacks well this now gives a clear path for some of those blokes that have put on the black jersey and represented to also go back and represent their island heritage so this is massive world rugby and I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those teams are in that top eight in the World Cup in 2023. In terms of the impact for the future, it's only got to be positive. When you've got guys in the teams like Fatonga, your Pia Tows, Nani Laumape, Via Fafida, and then for Samoa, your Sopawangas, your Luatuas, even a Nonu Sunny Bill, these young kids growing up, they're going to shift their emphasis, or some of them will, perhaps away from representing the All Blacks jersey and more towards representing their island heritage can only be great for the game will grow the game globally and boy the amount of talent we see out of the islands already is already immense so imagine it with a couple of those guys in the mixer bringing them through the amount of knowledge and experience they will be able to pass on would just be unreal. So a great question there, Tim. Hope you're doing well, son. Look forward to seeing you at preseason for the Mighty Coat in the weeks to come. No doubt you're ripping in a tear in, so hope you're enjoying the off-season and go well. That was all for Surly Talk Sports today. Hope you enjoyed it. If not, a massive up yours from me, as per usual. Have a great weekend. If you're picnicking, go well. Last weekend of that crap before next Friday we get unleashed to rip and tear. That was Surly Talk Sports, episode 26. How fucking good.